Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Before the invention of modern forensic science, poison analysis and the ability to test for substances on a corpse, disposing of someone you weren't too keen on was just a case of making sure you weren't acting suspiciously and a quick trip to the local hardware shop to obtain some poison. Arsenic, an undetectable poison capable of killing someone with the same symptoms as a bad bat food poisoning, was cheap and readily available for purchase over the counter, making murder an easy option for those who may be so inclined. That was until one poisoner slipped up, causing his poisoned victims to speak their truth through a scientific advancement. This time, on the Carved London, we're uncovering the case of the Plumstead Arsenic Murder. London today is a bustling metropolis, an exciting place to visit, and a somewhat safe place to call home. An eclectic mix of people from all over the world live in London, and the crime rate is dropping year on year. In some parts of this vibrant capital, the crime rate is lower than that of much smaller cities in other parts of the UK. However, things haven't always been so safe. Stories and tales of old have echoed around the streets and grown to become that of legend, particularly those of a gruesome nature. Today we'll be exploring one of these stories and discovering about London's often bloody past. My name is Nikki Drees and this is Macabre London.
In the Victorian times, there was a silent killer that was deemed the height of fashion, lurking in people's workplaces and homes. An incredibly popular wallpaper, known as Skeels Green, began the craze of everything oxidised copper-coloured in the Victorian world. I can guarantee if you look at any Victorian painting from the time, you will see something that is Skeels Green in it. The dye was used for everything, from clothing to paint, and even in confectionery. Despite the vibrant green dye looking incredible and being highly sought after, it did harbour a deadly substance inside it, cupric hydrogen arsenite, better known as arsenic to you and I. The arsenic-laced dye was fairly unremarkable and relatively safe unless it became damp and mouldy, which would cause it to react in a noxious way. Now, in Victorian England, and particularly in London where conditions of living were not that great, Many houses did suffer from damp issues, and the green paint became mould infested, then it would release the deadly gases of the arsenic, causing anyone who was susceptible to the poison to become gravely ill or even to die. The wallpaper was initially not even a suspected perpetrator in people's homes, up until four children in Limehouse died in quick succession from suspected diphtheria. When the children's bodies were inspected, their symptoms didn't differ at all, which was unusual in itself, but the physician carrying out the examinations noticed that no other children in the area had become infected with the disease, which was uncommon for diphtheria. The house was inspected, and it was noted that the children's shared bedroom had been recently redecorated with, you guessed it, green wallpaper. The paper was taken to be tested and showed that the levels of arsenic contained within were incredibly high, meaning all the children had passed away as a result of breathing in the noxious fumes. The story of the four children from Limehouse hit the headlines and became the first reported case of its time. It wasn't long though until other people who had family members pass away quickly from similar symptoms, and who also had the dreaded green wallpaper in their houses, came to the conclusion that the accountability for the deaths solely lied with the green dye. With the story hitting the headlines, the silent killer phenomenon of arsenic poisoning was now exposed to the masses, and as with anything, it's not long before people started to turn this to their advantage. Arsenic became a murder weapon of choice, and before the Victorians tested the poison on people, they decided to test it on animals, and rats in particular. With squalid conditions being rife in the slums of London, arsenic was an easy way to rid your household of any unwanted vermin, and the poison worked incredibly well. With arsenic being used for many regular household duties, and armed with the knowledge that a dose could easily rid you of a human-shaped problem, it wasn't long before people started to use this knowledge to their advantage. Known as the inheritor's powder, arsenic provided people with a solution to an age-old problem. If you were waiting to inherit a large sum of money from an elderly relative, with the use of arsenic, you could speed up this process. One small sprinkle of this odourless and tasteless powder, a few days' wait, and that very rich aunt whom you didn't have much fondness for, was now nothing more than a large amount of money trickling into your bank account. Arsenic was also the weapon of choice for women. Those who had an abusive relationship, a cheating partner, or who wanted to put a love rival out of the picture, now had an answer to their problems. Without the violence required to murder someone with a physical weapon, or without risking that your chosen opponent may overpower you, poisoning seemed like a sensible and a discreet option. As arsenic is easily dissolved in water, any liquid can be turned into something deadly and consumed without the intended victim having any idea at all. In one case, in Plumstead, in South East London, one poisoner turned this to his advantage and supplied a deadly dose of arsenic in a family's morning coffee. 
George Bodle was an incredibly wealthy man, a landowner who had amassed a fortune through various property and livestock deals. Bodle's fortune was setting an incredibly high peak at the time, and registered at around £2 million in today's economic climate. As George's wealth steadily inclined, so did the jealousy of those around him. Exasperated by his miserly ways, George's grandson John decided to take matters into his own hands and to poison the 80-year-old man so he could inherit his wealth. George was a regular coffee drinker, but with his miserly ways creeping into everything he did, he requested that his coffee grounds were used once for his morning brew, then again afterwards for the rest of the family. George had recently drafted a change to his will, meaning that his son-in-law was set to bequeath a larger selection of property. John was rather perturbed that the changes to this would leave him with considerably less than he was originally set to inherit. So whilst the will was still looking fairly favourable in his direction, he knew he had to do something before the change was exacted and the riches would be distributed to those that were not his real flesh and blood. On the morning of the 22nd of November, 1833, John popped into his grandfather's home on his way to work. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Whilst John was being unfoundedly friendly with the maid in the large farmhouse kitchen, he distracted her by flirting and offering to help her with the morning breakfast routine. The maid brewed George's strong elixir, but unbeknownst to her, John had already tampered with the drink by refilling the water in the kettle and adding the dissolvable powder while she was distracted. Once the water was added to the coffee grounds, the silent killer made its way to George's bedroom, and it wasn't long before the poison began to take effect. By this time, John had left and headed out to work for the day and left the family and their servants to their normal daily routine. The family proceeded to recycle George's coffee grounds to make a weaker pot for the table. All the family and the servants drank the drink and before long, they were also feeling unwell. So in an effort to poison just one person, John successfully poisoned five. He would have also poisoned the maid's family who would usually collect the coffee grounds from the farmhouse kitchen to take home but the maid's daughter threw away the grounds that day as she said they looked peculiar and she didn't see them as fit to be reused. As George began to take a turn for the worse, and with the rest of the household suffering gastrointestinal distress by this point, the doctor was called. After conducting examinations on all of the patients, the doctor concluded that the symptoms all pointed away from the usual suspects of salmonella or cholera and straight to poisoning. So with that in mind, he began taking samples from the home and asking those who had been afflicted for their version of events from the day. Scientific testing was not that advanced in the 1800s, 
but the doctor knew that he would need to provide at least some kind of evidence if the case was to go to court. As George's condition worsened, he eventually died three days after the poisoning, but all of those who had been accidentally poisoned luckily made a full recovery. George's son, who was also named John, visited his dying father, and in doing so, learned of George's suspicion about his grandson. With that in mind, Big John dropped the hint to the now alerted magistrate that Little John may be out to murder him too, in order to gain even more from the will. With all fingers pointing towards Little John as the culprit of the poisoning, it was now down to those who had the evidence from the scene to prove the existence of poison in George's system. In the 1800s, there wasn't yet a test to prove the existence of arsenic on a corpse. The coroner was fairly certain that George's body showed considerable signs of poisoning, including a damaged stomach and burns to the throat and mouth. So to prove his suspicions, he called in a number of medical experts to try and help him devise a test that would allow a jury to see for themselves the concrete evidence to convict John. James Marsh, a chemist, was taken on as leading brain in chemical advancements and knew that he could test George's body to show that he had indeed been poisoned as everyone had suspected. Marsh used a test previously devised by Samuel Hanneman to extract the arsenic from the samples he was provided with. Marsh managed to show that the sample of George's intestines, along with the residue in his coffee cup, both showed signs of arsenic. He ran the samples through hydrogen sulphide and hydrochloric acid. When met with the contaminated sample, they produced a yellow sulphite showing the remnants of the arsenic, thus proving that John had done the dirty deed. However, Marsh couldn't find a way to present his proof to the magistrate, as the experiments only worked fleetingly, and in a time before colour photography, it was impossible to show his findings, which wasn't really any proof at all. With the jury unconvinced of any concrete evidence to convict John, and nothing else to go on apart from the statements from those in the household, they allowed him to walk free. Annoyed and disillusioned that he had not been able to convict the murderer, who was now gloating that he did indeed murder his grandfather, but wasn't able to be retrialed, a disappointed Marsh used his frustration for good. He began working on a new way to test for arsenic within corpses, so the test could be carried out in front of a jury, and with a lasting result to show for it. He devised a test where setting fire to the gas the sample would produce when it was introduced to zinc and acid provided a silver deposit of arsenic, which was a pretty clear-cut way of showing that a body had indeed been poisoned. Marsh may have not been able to provide damning evidence in the case of the Bodles, but he did manage to convict another poisoner, Marie Lafarge. Lafarge had been caught buying a large amount of arsenic to rid her home of rats, but suspiciously her husband killed over and died not long after. With the maid in the house reporting that she had seen Marie tampering with her husband's food and stirring in a white powder, the recently buried body was exhumed and tested. The first time the chemists assigned to the case tried the newfangled Marsh test, they were disappointed to see it hadn't worked, and Lafarge was almost acquitted. However, one helpful chemist did point out that the two people carrying out the test had indeed done it wrong, and so it was then performed correctly in front of the jury. The test showed incredibly high levels of arsenic in Mr Lafarge's body, and Marie was given life imprisonment. The knock-on effect of the Plumstead case was enormous and delivered the first steps into the modern-day forensic science we now know. Intentional arsenic poisoning after Marsh's discovery saw a rapid decrease and the chances of being discovered were now exponentially higher, 
and before long arsenic saw a restriction act put in place to stop people buying it. Arsenic is still used today in a number of different products, and as a naturally occurring substance, its hidden inclusion is still flying under the radar of the general public, but luckily at regulated levels. Even your tap water includes arsenic, and the majority of your food will have some kind of trace in it, but just hopefully not at the level of George's coffee. Thank you for joining me for that episode of Macabre London. Let me know how you would have avoided being poisoned in the Victorian times in the comment box below on YouTube or on our social media. Don't forget to give this video a thumbs up if you enjoyed it, subscribe to my channel and press the bell notification icon so you get notified when I post new videos. If you're listening to the podcast then please review us on iTunes, subscribe so we appear in your downloads automatically every time I release a new episode and don't forget to share the show around. It helps it to grow and for our Macabre family to get a bit bigger. If you want to support the show, which will give you the key to the vaults of exclusive content, then please check out our Patreon, linked in the show notes, along with all our social media channels. Thanks for joining me for another Macabre tale from London's past, and I'll see you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.